Whoa, did you hear that? Yes. It's All right, so Zoom has just notified us that we're recording. And we are back. <laughs> theme tune to kick us off. All right, so Matt is suggesting that we should have a theme tune. And he yeah. says that a theme song for the show. And yeah. Matt is very excited by his suggestion. What, what would be a good theme tune? Um, uh, album, album, <laughs> album. Club. Like some kind of like a, like a hymn or like like monks chanting it, you mean? No, just me. Album. <laughs> album. Album. Club. Okay, so I'll cut that out and then, and then I'll put it on, on the next one, okay? <laughs> yeah, but I thought of another one and now I can't remember it. I, I, I was really chuffed with my other one and I've had to make that one up. <laughs> oh, then um, we should... <laughs> Uh, I got another one and I thought it was brilliant and I really can't remember it well it couldn't have been much better than album (laughs) album album club yeah Yeah. All right, so we're back and now we're discussing the two albums that we've been listening to for let's say a bit more than the past two weeks maybe around a month or so but um, it's been Elvis Elvis's debut album and then it's been rehearsal by Skeggs do you guys want to start with one in particular? Well, I just um, want to say big congratulations to uh, Mr. Zajac on the group. Yeah. <laughs> one of the reasons for the delay is he went back up to Canada and uh, had to quarantine for a little bit. Um, but overall, to spend a bit of time with his missus. And Zach, you want to tell us what, what you did? Yeah, so I went over the border and then I quarantined just a little bit for two weeks as you're supposed to. And then, yeah, we went on a little trip and popped the question, and now I have a fiancé. That's fantastic. Hey. Absolutely congratulations. But what he's missed out there, he popped in more ways than one. He had to <laughs> shit out his ring. <laughs> that, that was how he had to hide it. It's a hide. He shot out his engagement ring. Yeah. No one's ever seen a brown diamond before. Yeah, no, I, I told Megan that I just like brought it over my suitcase, so don't don't tell Megan that that wasn't true. Yeah, yeah, she smelt it. Not yet. Had to smuggle. I told her not to. Yeah, which is is what you do. Will you marry me? Yes. Don't smell the ring. Don't smell it. But you know, yeah. we we uh, so what I actually did. <laughs> we, so to, now to be true, what I actually did is I we drove up north to a small town called Haleybury, about five hours yeah. north of Toronto, and then we went on a little hike there. And uh, it basically opens up to this cliff called Devil's Rock. It's like a, it's a 300 foot drop. Absolutely massive. Because we had done that. that hike. She said no. <laughs> yeah, she said no. And then we kept going. And then it's like, well, it's a pretty tall cliff. Are you sure you want to say no? over the cliff. So we had done it a couple of years ago. So I kind of thought that'd be a good place to do it again. And she had it in her head. Like she couldn't, she made the false assumption that we're driving eight hours because I told her mom it's a 1400 kilometer round trip because we borrowed that, that car. And she didn't realize that I, did, I planned multiple stops. So we, we popped the champagne, we're drinking. And then she's like, well, don't drink too much because we have to get back in the car for another three hours. <laughs> you know, we're like halfway into a bottle of champagne. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. We're, like, we're staying here. Like, you know, you totally made some bad assumptions there. <laughs> so from there, we went to a place called Sudbury. And then we went to a place called Manitoulin Island, which is very nice. And now we're back. Nice, mate. Nice. Yeah. And then on the trip, I was listening to both the albums. 
with Megan single the album. I mean, to be honest, I played more of Elvis in the car. Just a bit, uh, I don't know. That was kind of more the vibe I was going for. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good transition into that one. So so you will always associate this album with that time then? Actually, you know what I do associate this album? A little bit before that, because I did my two-week quarantine. So I drove to Canada. I did my two-week quarantine. And the only place that was available for me at that moment was my cottage, which was built by my granddad in like the 1960s. And that's where my dad kind of like grew up. It's in the middle of absolutely, absolutely nowhere. And it has been like untouched. And my parents just use it for storage because they didn't have anywhere to store all of their old stuff. So it's like absolutely falling apart. Not meant I had to like literally go out in the woods and get chainsaw in order to burn firewood to not freeze. And then the chainsaw broke and then it rained. So all the wood is wet. And then the power extension cord for the chainsaw broke. That's kind of what I associate with, with uh, the Elvis album more. And a funny thought was that both the, that and the album, are, they're from similar time periods. So I was kind of like looking at this cottage, which looks straight out of the 1950s or 60s. And I'm like, when this cottage was being built, this might have been playing on the radio as, yeah. as like the new stuff. So it was kind of funny. Nice. Yeah, that is quite good. Mm-hmm. Took you to the past. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. thinking just how old that album is. Like it's nearly 70 years. Oh, old. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was thinking it might even go into the public domain. Like, it's, you know, like, not too long. Well, I guess, I guess still a while. But, uh, yeah, yeah really. 30 years until it's in the public domain. It's 100 years, isn't it? Yeah, I, it's, it's way too long, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, very old, very old stuff. And so, what did you guys think of it? Do, do you know what? I actually, after Blue Suede Shoes, <laughs> found it fairly boring. It was ballad after ballad. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I you know, I like Elvis, but you know, I thought Blue Suede Shoes great, and then you know I was like driving, and then it was kind of just see for me ballad after ballad, and I was just kind of oh, I, Elvis, I, yeah, right, you've done now. I did make note that there were way more ballads than I was expecting. Yeah, I, I just thought actually, and from that album, I can't. I think Blue Suede Shoes stuck out, and there was a reason why. And one of the reasons why is there's too many ballads. Well, it was kind of half ballads. So what the album really is, is I actually started watching a documentary on Elvis on Netflix, but it didn't really capture my attention, to be honest. But they're just making the point that Elvis, in that time period, post-war, took the country music that was familiar with white people. And then he really studied and kind of learned learned the black blues music and kind of presented it to the white culture in a package they're more familiar with. But also he made it his own, and he was Elvis, so he had this kind of great, uh, you know, vibe going on, personality. Yeah. So yeah, for me, I prefer all the blues songs on the album than the country songs that were meant for the the more mainstream yeah. at the time. Yeah, most of them were covers, weren't they? They were yeah. all covers. No, sorry, yeah. they weren't all covers. Some were original, but he didn't write anything. In fact, Elvis never wrote. He never a wrote song. anything. He didn't yeah. write a song. He's not the same with Frank Frank Sinatra, stuff like that. People in that era. So I get annoyed when people are like, people don't write music anymore. The people didn't write their own music in the in 50s and 60s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, um, I read an article about it, and it does sound that Elvis was very much signed and marketed to be like one of the mainstream pop stars we have now, where they're going to have songs written to them, basically told what to perform, and then pushed out to the mass market and used their appeal as a musician yeah. and as a singer to sell lots and lots of records he actually started out he joined this tour of, of musicians that played 
So like upper class, older, yeah. wealthier people. And here's this kid coming on. And those, that was the audience he had to win over in order to become uh, a bigger name. So yeah. he was playing this music uh, for older people. But something that I kept thinking, because pop music is always driven by teams, right? That's when, that's well, who that's consumes when the them the most. That's when the invented, really. Well, not invented, but came about is in that era. But like, since then, all pop music is basically driven by what teams are listening to. They listen to the most. They, they have the most passion for music. So I kept thinking, like, this is what the kids <laughs> were listening to. And yeah. some of the things he, he did, for example, the song, um, what song was it? I think it was One-Sided, One-Sided Love Affair, which is also mm. an original song for the album. He kind of, like, plays his voice up, like, understanding, you know, stuff like that. And I'm just well, thinking, well. like, <laughs> you heard it the first time. <laughs> Well, a fair exchange of and over robbery, and the whole world will know that it's true. Understanding solves all problems, but that's why I'm telling you. If you want to be hugged, well, you will got to hug me too. Oh, yeah. If you want to be hugged, well, you got to hug me too. Oh, yeah. Cause I ain't for no one-sided love affair. That would have been just so novel at the time, yeah. just having fun in a post-war way that you know the parents hadn't had before. Yeah, well, and it's also post-war, so that comes into it, right? So that rock and roll explodes post-war because there's that euphoria of war has ended. 1950s is like one of the really interesting social history there. You've got this explosion of culture in terms of the teenagers became a thing. You've got music, you've got films like Rebel Without a Cause, which is just about being a teenager, but for the first time. And then you've got Elvis just leading the way. So like, I, I kind of was a bit disheartened when I got bored by it. Yeah, that's, that's surprising <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was surprising for me. Like in the first, first hearing of it, my first, I was driving, driving back from work, and I thought, oh, all right, enough now. I skipped. I ended up skipping the first time. I was just like, enough. We get you. Tony, how about you? Um, yeah, I thought it was decent overall. Um, I agree with Matt with um, some of the ballads I found quite boring. But I did like that they mixed the album up where they had a few faster rockabilly songs in between the ballads. So it didn't didn't get too repetitive in that sense. Overall, I thought it was a pretty solid album, but nothing too spectacular but i guess that's because so much has come from it that at the time i feel like i would have appreciated it a lot more than i do now if it was a new thing at the time speaking of blue suede shoes the um the guitar player who plays on the album apparently is very famous for like his style of playing and how he the the way that it was said on the documentaries he only plays when necessary and then so i listened to it a bit more after hearing that quote and you can really tell, especially I, th- I thought in the second guitar solo in Blue Suede Shoes, how kind of plays in bursts and kind of leaves pauses in a way that I would never think to do. It's a very unique, unique style that he plays in. He's got his own thumbprints on the album. Well, you can do anything but take over my blue suede shoes. Show. Three to get ready now. Go, 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 but don't you step on my blue suede 
Or just session musician for him. I don't remember his name, but I, I think he's someone who's pretty fairly highly respected in the in the uh, community back then. Did you guys notice which song has been repurposed into a very famous song? What do you mean? There's quite a few. I got a woman. No, no. I got a woman. Yeah. Was that? Oh, you see, I always saw that as an original. I just yeah, I did for some reason. <laughs> first time I heard it, I was like, obviously, yeah. It's no, no, so I think it was an original, but do you know what song that's come along since uses I got a woman as a sample? It's a Ray Charles song. It's a cover. Oh, right. Okay, sorry. So then, do you know what uh, song? It, no, it, who sang it first then? Because now I'm confused. Charles sang it first. He wrote Oh, yeah, I thought so. You, I thought you were saying that Elvis sang it first. I was trying to say, do you know what song since then, like recently, uses it as a as a... Uh, a loop. Where Kanye ever? It was a super yeah. famous song. Did he? Goldigger. Yeah, Goldigger. She gave me money. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. I do that. That's why Thingy sang sang it. I heard that. I was like, oh hey, that's from uh, Goldigger. Yeah. <laughs> it came out with the film Ray Charles. It was in the same year as the film Ray Charles. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know anything. <laughs> That's why, because that, the way that song came about is because uh, Jamie Foxx was singing in the, in the film. Kanye West heard it and thought, That's pretty good. Uh, would you want to sing on a thing? Because Jamie Foxx isn't a singer. He only sang that one time. I didn't know that. That's, 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 that's good trivia. And I don't know why I know that. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would check that out, but I think that's the story. Oscar nominated like, for like, categories. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did like the blue song Tutti Frutti, originally by Little Richard. Or as Elvis says, Tutti Frutti. Original though. That's why I was a bit like, okay. Go back and listen to, to um, Little Richard's version. And I, I think Little Richard's version is better. It's not, Elvis really sped it up. Elvis was a good singer. Actually, Elvis was a great singer. But Little Richard is like one of the all-time virtuoso great singers. So you can tell that Elvis really makes it his own, but Little Richard's voice, I think, is a lot stronger. Yeah. And then even when he goes tutti frutti and then he does like that falsetto like woo. Yeah. Little Richard does it so well. But then yeah. Elvis, I think he tries it once at the end of the song and it doesn't sound as good as but Little I mean, Richard. Little Richard. Corner is kind of like a note that's kind of screamed and sung at the same time. It's yeah. just so iconic that I don't it's think it takes bollocks to do a little Richard song. Yes indeed. A boy don't know what you do to me. I don't know what you do to me, to the food, oh Rudy, to the food, oh Rudy, to the food, oh Rudy, to the food, 
So little Richard, he's an interesting chap. If you ever get a chance to read his, even yep. just his Wikipedia page. Have you done it? Actually, not that long ago. Read his yeah, entire no. Wikipedia page, yeah. yeah. Whew. What yeah. history. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was funny because I was going to say, like, Elvis was more known for his, like, style, and little Richard was more known for his, like, musicianship. But little Richard That's wasn't just known for his musicianship. Um, yeah. But but he was a, obviously a fantastic singer. Although, yeah, um, little Richard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's yeah, he's maybe the, one of the best of all time. Bombs with Rich. Where I thought Elvis's voice really shined on this album, more so than anywhere else, easy, was the song Trying to Get to You. Yeah. He sung that song really, really well. And it seemed in a higher register than other songs in the album. I almost thought that he could have transposed up a bunch of the other songs to match that same intensity he got in Trying to Get to You. Yeah, so, then, so check that one. Would you, would you have noticed it as much? Well, that's true. I wouldn't have noticed it as much. But then it, this, the whole record would have been sung a bit better, I thought. Because some of the songs, yeah. I did think his voice is a bit too comfortable here. Um, when I read your loving letter Then my heart began to sing There were many miles between us But it didn't mean a thing I just had to No, it was it was it was a good album. When I say bored, I just got bored. I suppose. But um, no, I expect big things from this Elvis guy. <laughs> um, what was your favourite song off the album, then, Matt? Loose Weight Shoes. It's just straight up that. No, it's a straight, to, to, it was to me the best song on the album. I completely understand why it was the biggest hit. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know I'm not going to try and pretend that I like any hipster ideas. It was just Loose Weight Shoes. How about you, Zach? Probably trying to get to you, I thought, uh, yeah, because his, his voice in that one. And that one was kind of more of a mix between, I thought, the upbeat blues and the, the more country melodic laid back. Yeah. I quite like the um, fourth track, like one-sided love there. That one, one was the, the fun one. I liked having that one when I was uh, like cooking or making food or something, get a bit of a hip shake or the best I can do on, on one leg, really. He's, uh, he's very Elvis in that song. On that song, it's like Willa Willa Willa. <laughs> so, um, it's so like 50s, like the lyrics, like just the way they talk about, like, um, well, the subject matter basically what they sing about is just like you, you wouldn't get lyrics like that in a pop song nowadays. I would love if pop music nowadays started bringing some like rock and roll elements back into it, that'd be really interesting to, to use it. With I think new, new, I uh, think textures. it will, wouldn't it? Eventually, music kind of goes in circles. Yeah, yeah, it, it well, and people have probably done it, which probably haven't looked out for it. But then, yeah, Johnny, you were saying One Sided Love Affair, how that song to me was, he sounded, like I said, very Elvis in quotation marks. But if you listen to him later in his career, he becomes much more Elvis. So he plays up his, his accent and his, you know, those little ad libs he does. I went on YouTube and found him singing I Got a Woman in 1970, so like 14 years after, and it was so different than the version on the album. It was very played up. Is that a live version that you're saying that in 1970 or another studio version? It's a live version of him of him singing the song in 1970. Yeah. And he, he sings it so differently. Oh yeah. I see my baby. Don't 
Yeah, but I imagine he plays up to the crowd so much with the with his little chords well, like that. Yeah, oh. but also artists change throughout their career, right? So yeah. you, what comes to mind is Alex Turner. You hear Alex Turner sing Fluorescent Abolescent. That is so different to what he would sing it when he first came about singing Fluorescent Abolescent. So there's got to be a case of yeah, played up to the crowd. Don't know if that's always the case, but also just because Elvis he changes as a person. Elvis was a born performer, and so yeah, any, anything that a crowd would dig on, he he would pick but, up yeah. on and realize that. You know, he learned his dance moves from this like kid, Forrest. Uh, yeah, yeah, you've read the story. Oh. You remember that in the film when he's watching Elvis on telly? <laughs> he's yeah, yeah, that's where he <laughs> learned it from, man. And he was on crutches, so Johnny, you may be able to like dance like that. <laughs> yeah. One last thing, I guess, is that Heartbreak Hotel wasn't on this album, and I think that that was a hit before, like like a little single hit. So he recorded an album to boost his image and his uh, his relevance. Well, it was, it, it was, it was an interesting that. omission. RCA, RCA um, well, he was signed to um, a record label called Sun, I think they were called, and. That was a huge hit. So RCA paid $30,000 or so to buy the rights to his music and yeah. put together the album quickly on the back of the success of that to make sure that they utilised it while he was really hot and it, that song was doing well. well. And so half of the album was actually recordings from his old record label that they'd bought and then half were new ones that they'd just done quite quickly just to get the album out. Did you did you know that, or did you have you researched that while on this album? Because that was incredibly that. impressive. Yeah, no, I, I, I read about that. Not not just randomly, as part of like reading about the album. Oh right, oh, I just thought you were. Yeah, not not just a yeah. not just a random. So movie. I can't. I get just, I get too distracted when I'm reading about the albums we did. I end up on Little Richards Wikipedia. I did find it interesting though that RCA was still one of the big players back then, because they're still one of the major major labels going nowadays that have mm. people like Stroke signed to them and yeah, yeah well, well once once a legacy is created there's a time to create a legacy in, in that part of America like MGM in the film industry it's the same thing isn't it? Megan's mom works for a, a film company that's like a hundred years old or something and if mm. you go back and watch like the first movies ever being made apparently it'll, it'll give that company credit wow yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't remember the name of it <laughs> <laughs> It'll be your mother-in-law. You, you got to learn this stuff. Yeah, this is this is you know she'll quiz you on the wedding day. <laughs> yeah, she's like, something to, in Ukrainian weddings. Do they have the uh, the mother-in-law quiz as an annual tradition? <laughs> Actually, interestingly enough, my aunt got married to um, a guy from uh, USA, and he, he, quiz. he he memorized an entire speech in Ukrainian phonetically. So wow. like he just memorized what, what was. His perspective is total uh, gibberish. Good, good luck, good luck, Megan. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I told her that. I'm like, all right, you have to get, you have to start working on that. And she even wrote, she wrote it herself. So apparently, she's like, yeah, like the first line I wrote was like, Marta is like such a unique person, and she should always be cherished. <laughs> and he has no idea what he's saying. <laughs> well, she wrote it for him. Yeah, she wrote it for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right, there's mm. two minutes left in the meantime. Should we pause the recording? 
get yeah. a new Zoom going. Yep, yeah, I'll, I'll do that now. Um, mm. Make sure to back up the file so there's not a mishap plan last time. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make it, like, I'll call it part one or something so it doesn't overwrite. I can't up the Skynet. Zach recording. managed to overwrite the first half of the recording last week and it was yeah. really do, but thanks to some wizardry, he managed to pull it back from the depths. The program Ease US is the only reason that any of us, are, that we have the third podcast because it got overwritten and I Windows couldn't get it back. Anyway, uh, let me do that now. Should I stop or pause it? Stop it, right? Uh, stop. stop. Record. Well, I'm being recorded. <laughs> so the other album that we listened to for the past few weeks was Rehearsal by the Australian band Skeggs. Thoughts on that? This album came out, was it 2020? It's pretty 2021. Oh, 2021. It just came out, yeah. Yeah, last weekend yeah. in March it came out. Axel's done his research on this one, has he? <laughs> no, because Skeg's yeah, first album I think was 2018. Ah, uh, yeah. Skeg. So right. it's their second album. Their first with the major record label, uh, Loma Vista, in America. Yeah. And yeah, went to number one in the US. Obviously, Australia uh, in Australia rather, and uh, they're an Australian band. And I feel you can very much hear that in the music. So I want to see what you. Uh, I, f- I feel like the Australian scene is starting to worryingly blend into. Um, I'll, I'll just be back in a sec Matt, so you were saying just before Claire called you that the Australian scene is starting to blend and then you paused Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it starting to blend? <laughs> <laughs> That's it <laughs> uh, Yeah, it's starting to become you know, you can hear the Australian showway which isn't too bad it means they're a scene but it means that they're all becoming fairly similar you can hear that it's Australian straight away. You know that. And uh, my one worry about the Skeks is that the songs were all fairly similar. It's funny that, that you said that because when you paused and then spoke with Claire for about that phone, Johnny and I like had you muted and we're like, what are you going to say? It's starting to blend. <laughs> I'm just like trying to think like, where is going with this? Could be some like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. Similar. The songs I did think were quite similar. The album has a very... Um, linear vibe to it linear progression yeah yeah i think um that largely stems from the the relaxed songwriting nature of the band i think a lot of it is done by benny who tends to be lead singer on most of the songs he seems to just come up with something pretty chilled something that will like influence a little bit and then kind of build a song together when he he plays with the other two in the band and i think because of that nature of songwriting it will tend to be reasonably repetitive or like similar yeah. to an extent yeah but it was, there were still good songs though there was still it was still something that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad I listened to he writes great melodies and there's yeah. always time for that he he blends great melodies and catchy melodies with hard guitars hard hitting guitars yeah. so it, it ends up with this very alt rock mid 2000s vibe mid 2000s Although- kind of in saying one thing, one song was very sea shanty esque. Okay, Jurassic. I wrote down. Do, 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 do. It was really good. My favorite one. A, a song also that had a very, I was kind of like a drunken, almost like a, you'd hear it in a bar, like one of those Irish bars being played, was uh, Running from Nothing. Oh, yeah. But I'm imagining this being played at the Seven Seas, mate. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, running from nothing, they 
did during a live stream last year during the original lockdown and yeah. uh, they kind of debuted it on that and then everyone was like you know Australia was like obsessed with the song like there were illegal like bootlegs that people had recorded on their phones getting leaked online because everyone like found it so catchy and so did well yeah. once uh, once the album came out if you listen very carefully in the chorus of Running From Nothing, I think you can hear like acoustic guitars in the background. It sounds almost like a mandolin and that just gives it this more, you know, piratey, sailor, drunken feel. That's what's right. coming into my head. that with picturesque well i literally was just like i can just imagine like people clashing tankers together again in during that song what happened to your sea shanties because didn't you join a group yeah so i got drunk in cornwall at a campsite and it turned out the guy i got drunk with was part of the sea shanty collective of london well he said like you know we need baritone voices i said all right and um uh, he was impressed when he asked me what my favourite sea shanty was. And I said, leave her, Johnny, leave her, which I like. He then was like, you know, here's my number. Message me. And I gave him my number. And then I heard nothing for months. And he said, would you want to do a Skype, Zoom sea shanty thing? And I did it once. I did it twice. And then I didn't know much of the sea shanties. So I was just you know, awkwardly clicking along and then it kind of fell out. Mm-hmm. But I have looked up sea shanty uh, bands in Manchester uh, for when I move up uh, and I've signed me and Johnny up. <laughs> yeah, have fun with that, mate. Well, this we we will, we up. will. And you'll love it. And uh, 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 we need to get you a striped shirt, black and white. Uh, a prison outfit. Uh, well, sea shanties are really interesting because they also have a specific role Right. So what the prisoners, some of them were prisoners and sailors are doing, depended on the sea shanty they were singing. So they're all to a time. So they'll be pulling the ropes to a time. They have a function. So you're right. Yeah. So then what what was the function of picturesque? Uh, Just get drunk, me. Uh, Well, a quick thing. So I guess the beat of picturesque would have been quick, quick paced. So it would have been uh, double time doing of whatever they were doing, double time. All right, well, if the Skeggs want to know more about... uh, Sea shanties, they can always join the podcast. Yeah, if anyone wants to learn (laughs) about sea shanties, we we could do a sea shanty album for one of these. Um, I don't, I was going to, I was going to suggest it one day. So, Fisherman Friends, if anyone's interested in, are the hot uh sea shanty band at the moment. 
they come from St. Ives. They perform in St. Ives every other Friday for free. Oh, it's quite funny because all these bands go on like world tours and they're like, yeah, we just perform every other Friday. <laughs> With a fisherman. So they can't go far. Yeah. Because <laughs> they just went there back on shore. Yeah, yeah. But they've actually started touring a little bit. But uh, no, so I, I, I did like the album. It's very yeah. grungy. Do you know what song's really grungy? The most grunge song on the album is uh, Curse My Happiness. It yeah, uses like major seven chords and slash chords in a way it's that really was, is just so grungy. Something else that's very grungy that they do is um, Down to Ride, the album opener, which is actually one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah. The chord progression of that is, um, I actually just looked it up because I'm like, oh, it's kind of weird. It's E minor, B major, C, G. And in the key of E minor, you don't have a B minor chord. You have a B, so you don't have a B major chord. You only have a B minor chord. So what, what they're doing is they're like using like a borrowed major chord. Listen to it. The second chord sounds a bit out of place. And grunge does that a lot. Mm. Grunge will, will kind of throw in chords that aren't from the progression. I was going to say with Curse My Happiness, um, that was one of the songs when um, when the album came out, they'd released, um, I think, four of them before the album came out. So I was familiar with those. It was a lot of the ones towards the start of the album. So later in the album, I was, um took me a while to get into um, get into the songs, but Curse My Happiness was one of those. And it's going back to like the melodies that you mentioned that, that um, he's really good at writing, where right after that... Um, really grungy chorus he then has that like little like little melody after and that just got stuck in my head for so long like once you know when a song hits you and you're like yes i like that song yeah. now is that melody would just play over and over in my head for days yeah I love it when a song does that to me, dude. Yeah, oh, it's it. brilliant. Do you know what song in this album has done that for me, where it's played over and over <laughs> for days, Dude, is uh, Bush TV. Oh. That, that chorus has been stuck in my head for so long. And, and I was like, okay, what is this Bush TV? And why has watching it you know, made him think that I should go away and wait until you miss me? Because I imagine the Bush is re- referencing the Australian Bush. You're right. So yeah. So what I thought is that Bush TV was like so like uh, I don't know like garbage TV or some like soap opera. No, Bush TV is what Australians call like nature or the outdoors, like the sky. It's the bush is on TV. Specifically, a campfire. When you're watching Bush TV, it's when you're sat around a campfire watching the. Oh, that sounds lovely. Mm. Yeah, and it's quite an interesting way of saying like yeah. Like, so I was watching the Bush TV. So I was like out in nature, and that's when I had this epiphany that you know I need to go away and wait until you miss me. Is, is what he says. That's one of um, the Toby songs that he's usually the bassist, but he's the lead singer on on that one. And when mm. they when they switch lead singers, they also t- 
take over lead guitar duties. It, mm. Me and Liam tried figuring out where it comes from, but I think it's pretty much who wrote the song. I thought that might have been a different singer, and and then I convinced myself it wasn't because he's pretty good. So that that was a different singer on Bush TV. Yeah, so that's uh, Toby, who usually plays the bass on a lot of the songs, but he also has a few that he sings on himself. But Benny's yeah. definitely like the main guy who sings in majority of the songs. Um, one thing kind of unrelated, but while we're talking about Toby is uh, I've noticed, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen any of their live performances, whenever, whether it's Toby or Benny on the bass, they play with three string basses. So they, it's like an actual, just normal four string bass, but they've got one of the they strings. Play. Well, well, I know some guitarists who do that. I don't know the bassist who does that. So I suppose they don't like the sound of one string with the bass. Uh, what's his name? Your man... Rolling Stones, man. Keith Richards? Yeah. Doesn't play with a high E. Yeah, yeah, I did know that. So he doesn't like the sound of the yeah. high E. So he's because just it off. rings out, yeah. yeah he's so from he's the, um, the where, near where I teach. What was fun about Bush TV is that it's just about you know being in nature. And uh, Australians definitely are known for, for uh, camping a lot and going out in the nature. Going out in yeah. nature. And, and then I, I think I even heard a quote of these guys. So like, you know, we're just like, bunch of Australian blokes who just like to drink beer and hang out, hang out by the campfire and stuff. So that was cool. It, it seemed very authentic in that, in that perspective. With what you were saying just there, Zach, um, I read an interview with them. <laughs> Apparently the first reason they actually started like playing music together at bars and stuff as a band, rather than just messing about as mates because they're <laughs> friends from school, was that they learned that if you played at open mic nights and stuff, you got a free beer. And that was the sole driving force for them to actually form a band and start playing at bars because they, they got a free drink. Knowing that band, that that does not surprise me at all. And that has just kind of spiralled out of control since then. Hey, it accidentally became a, a successful band. And what you're saying as well with their, like them being out of nature is that they all tend to... So they're from around the Byron Bay area, I believe, originally, but they tend to live a bit inland, quite rural. During the lockdown... They were doing a bit of recording in the album, but before they could like safely get the studio time and stuff, they all just went off and did random things. So the drummer just lived in his cabin by himself and just took like a few months off drumming for the first time in, in however many years. Lead singer Benny went and worked at a woodworking factory just to keep himself. Oh, that's then, sick. Yeah, and then Toby, I um, can't remember what, what they said he did, but... Um, I think he was just working on some other stuff or surfing or something like that. But it just shows that they're a pretty cool down-to-earth band. And Yeah. I also quite like how they all did different things. Uh, I think that's quite a, quite a cool ass. Like, you know, they're, it shows that they're all quite individual. Yeah. Woodwork is cool. The yeah, guitar player from Thrice, if you've seen, he makes uh, crafts, like fine leather crafts. His, his name's Tepe, huh? Tepe Teranishi. Google Terranishi brand and just it's the sing- the guitar player from Thrice and he makes like 
these beautiful like wallets and uh, like leather bags and they're really nice. I, I really want want to get one. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you showed me the website. We should, we should get into stuff like that. I've recently started whistling. Whistling? Whistling. Oh, this, <laughs> I was going to ask you to whistle. Yeah, well, oh, there we go. But oh, no, nice. whittling. I whittled a butter knife. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, it's using knives to carve things out of wood. Do you have anything yeah. to show us? No, well, it's all in Manchester. But uh, no, I made a knife and then got ahead of myself so completely that it was ridiculous and decided to try and make a bowl. And I spent a lot of money on getting the equipment to make a bowl. (laughs) No, I broke the bowl. I've made a butter knife. Claire, my girlfriend, made a shank, which was pretty good. (laughs) A shank? Well, she didn't mean, well, she was like, I'm going to make a butter knife too. And then I looked at it and went, darling, you can like take someone's kidney out of that. That's so sharp. She looked exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's me. What are you doing to the butter? Uh, I think everyone should um, get involved in stuff like that. And I salute the Skeggs for doing so. Skeggs? Yeah, no, the, the album's, uh, it definitely has a grunge feel to <laughs> <laughs> Good pull back to the top. Of the <laughs> yeah. Nice job, man. Yeah. Nice segue. Um, it, it definitely has a, nice, a grunge feel to it. I, I, I did like, uh, I know we're saying Down to Ride. I like the chorus of that song. Um, I thought it was yeah. interesting how the drums were rolling through the verses on the snare. I, it took me a while to realize that. Western films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of like surf rock. Like one of my favorite songs was the one right after Valhalla. That song is like straight up Viking metal. Yeah, I wasn't fussed about Valhalla. I thought it was actually correct. Because some people that I know that are big fans of the band didn't like it at first. I and didn't like it for, mm. after after a while. It's become one of their favorite songs, and oh, yeah. I liked it straight away. But well, Liam I was, was until we saw it live, and then yeah. that's just it's a song that I was listening to while walking around the co-op just before we started Skype. Funny you said about live Johnny. I specifically wrote in my notes this would be a great live song. I love yeah. his voice when he's belting out like "There's no way I'm going to jail." He hits that. He, yeah. he he sings that really well. It's by far the heaviest song in the album, and it just feels like really sinister. One of the things I wanted more from this album is I thought they could have dialed up the intensity more often to that level and even surpassed it. Because, yeah, like that, that song, yeah, like I said, it's, it sounds almost like Viking metal. It's like a pretty dark song. It's really cool. Well, this, the album in general is a lot less um, heavy than previous stuff they've done where they've had a couple of EPs and their first full-length album. I think it's more of a reflection of where they've had that time apart during lockdown and what they've come up with by themselves without the band around them. That song, particularly Valhalla, was inspired by... It was a Viking TV show that's apparently British that I hadn't heard of, but the idea of that Valhalla 
is oh. like, like meant to be this paradise, but it's um, he just thought of it as like, oh, like that, that'd be great mm. if that was real. And like me and my mates just go and eat and drink as much as we want. And that that would be our yeah. Valhalla and that'd be brilliant. The other song that I really liked the intensity in was um, Fade Away. So the chorus of Fade Away is, is like double tracked or probably more than double tracked. But if you listen, there's the same lines that he's singing, but screamed behind it. That makes it sound so intense and like so emotional. And it's something that Biffy Clyro do a lot. And, and I love that about them because they're, they're, they're presenting you with a melody that's pretty like shiny and gentle, but there's, it's being screamed behind it as well. And it makes it just like, you just want to like clench your fist and just, yeah, it just sounds great. Clench your fist and push. But uh, yeah, no, so I, I, I love that they did that there. Do you guys get that vibe? Get what vibe? Biffy Clyro. It reminded me of Oasis a bit, that song. No, I didn't get Oasis from it. I mean, Oasis has the song Slide Away. It's nothing to do with that, isn't it? The way it sounds. It's an Oasis album. I can see them doing something. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it again and think about Oasis, but I didn't get Oasis from the album. From the whole album, I, I got more of like a mid-2000s vibe kind of genre. So what were, um, what were your favourite songs then? I liked Valhalla, I liked Down to Ride, and I liked Fade Away. Also, uh, I liked Under the Thunder. And I think Under the Thunder, I looked on Spotify, that one has the most listens. So is, is that yeah, like the song's big hit, or the album's big hit? Yeah, that's the biggest song from, from that album. Plays quite high in the uh, Triple J Hottest 100 of the year, which is like Australian voted best songs. It was an interesting rhyme. Under the thunder, there's no hiding from the lightning. I thought that was so cool. Matt, how about uh, you? I liked Down to Ride. I liked picturesque one uh, moment. Wake up. I liked quite a few. I thought it was a good album. I thought it was really good. It's an album that I will continue to be listening to. So Matt, you would say that the Skeggs are better than Elvis Presley? 100%. I mean, yeah, they should have just, like, had Elvis done that. Had Elvis only... Only Elvis had brought out an album like this. He might actually be remembered. Spend some but time in the outback. As it is, he'll be forgotten. <laughs> Watching the Unlike Bush TV. the Skeggs. You know, it'd be cool if someone yeah, covered right. the Skeggs album like with an Elvis Presley voice. There was a band that Johnny used to like. That were... Baseballs. Wow, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I heard on the radio? And it annoys me because I really can't remember the name of this band. And they were recreating songs in the really 1980s way, just general 1980s. And it was really good. It was on absolute radio. And I could not remember the name of the band. And I can't find it. Google. Google what? Well, just <laughs> 1980s sounding band. <laughs> they just come up with 80s bands. It? Just back to what you said about baseballs. For anyone who's listening, because I jumped in quickly without explaining there's a band that Johnny showed us all like 10 years ago called The Baseballs, which cover modern pop songs sung and in the style of Elvis and like rockabilly big yeah. band stuff. And they're pretty good. Together we'll mend your heart. Because we 
Um, things mm. I didn't like on the album, um, I thought some of the songs played it a little bit safe, like Sip of Wine and Save the Flavor to me. I thought uh, I thought could have done a bit more. And so the Elvis album alternated between ballads and blues. This album alternated between mid-tempo songs and then ballads. Pretty much all, all of the upbeat songs were kind of mid-tempo. So I did kind of want to see them crank it up a little bit because when they got to Valhalla, it seemed like they're pretty comfortable playing some pretty heavy music. But maybe, maybe as you're saying, Johnny, just to go check out their earlier album. Yeah, that first album is brilliant. I was thinking of recommending it at some point, but obviously this one came out. So we yeah, could still yeah. recommend older stuff. The the rhythm section is very good. They 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 have a lot of like poppy and jumpy beats that kind of make you bob your head pretty well. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I, oh, I, I, I thought it was good. That's kind of my thoughts yeah. on the album. I liked it. Yeah, it I, I, I didn't love it. But I liked it. Yeah, definitely driven by the the like the melodies of the band. I think that's definitely their overall strongest aspect. Where their songs can so easily get stuck in your head with the little melodies that Benny writes. I also you know watched what? him play on YouTube uh, an acoustic session. He's actually a really good singer alive. Like he's a very naturally good singer. Really raw like vibe to his voice as well, doesn't he? Like it doesn't sound too studio. Uh, do you know where their name comes from? I need to learn this myself. Yegma. Uh, Nope. Have a have a guess, Zach. Is it like a keg or something, but with an S? No, it's, it's musical. They skateboarded over kegs. No, but that would be cool. When the lead singer's in Japan, he was in a music shop there and found this guitar by a brand he'd never heard of called Skegs, and just like the name stuck with him. And so eventually, when it came to naming the band, um, however many years later, he always remembered that one guitar with the called Skeggs, mm. and it's just like, yeah, Skeggs. Do they owe some sort of royalties to that make? See, that was my second guess. Like, my first guess was Kegs with an S, but my second guess was a guitar manufacturer he once saw in Japan years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah, I, I don't know. Play Zach, that's, a, that's, that's some ingenuity. Yeah, but I don't know if they'd be, if that is a multinational guitar company or if they're just very specific. Well, Skeggs are massive in... Um, UK guitar guitar in Epsom, biggest guitar shop in the UK, by the way. <laughs> Seriously, and um, Skeggs, uh, they've got a whole wall. Really, wait, sorry, the band or the band? okay, right, neither. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was totally with you for a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, 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 Skeggs. Um, well, they, they, ha- they do have bass ukuleles, insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, the, this shop's incredible. Biggest uh, guitar shop in the UK for some reason in Epsom. Fantasizing is one of the ones that I love on that album. Jolly does love fantasizing. <laughs> well, that's literally what the song's about, but it is, it is a nice kind of like dreamy song. Yeah. Um, I, find, I find that one really catchy. And obviously, Under the Thunder is just a belter. And Valhalla right. is the one I'm most excited to see live. So both of us liked Valhalla, and Matt wasn't a fan. With the, sh- the sea shanties that you like, I would have thought Valhalla is kind of similar. Mm, no. It's less of a story. Sea shanties are a story. So let's okay. now assign the next albums for each other. So now we're back to the, uh, the favorite section. So these are albums that we love, regardless of how they you know, were reviewed or, or how popular they were at the time. I'm excited for, for these next suggestions. Matt, you've got a smile. So what, or, or Johnny, do you want to go first? Matt's got this big smile on his face. So I kind of want oh, to no, no, I was just smiling because of the way the way you worded it. But yeah, no. So the album I've picked is a band called The Shags, S H A G G S. 
So they were quite an unknown band. They're from the late 60s, but Kurt Cobain rated them fifth most influential on him. So there's a bit of grunge aspect to it. And I'm going to go for their only album, Philosophy of the World. And when did you start listening to that? Although I guess that's kind of more something we talk about next time. But Yeah, we'll save that for next time. All right, I'm going to go to the other side of Australia from Byron Bay and another quite recent album, one that came out last year during the lockdown and became pretty much the the anthem album of my lockdown. It's a band called San Cisco. I think San Francisco, but without the Fran. And um, the album is called Between You and Me. They're an indie pop band that have been going for 10 years or so um, around our age and they formed in school, had a hit before they left school and they've come on leaps and bounds since then. And yeah, really enjoyed the album. They actually released an EP just as lockdown was starting and then followed it up a few months later with an album that all the songs on the EP were actually in the album. I think it got rushed ahead because of lockdown. Um, But yeah, the whole album I really, really enjoyed. And so I'm excited for you guys to to hear it. It's a bit more poppy and disco than a lot of the albums we've heard as well. So a bit of a change of pace in that front. What's the album called again, uh, Johnny? San Cisco and then the band, or the album is? uh... Between You and Me. Between You and Me by San Cisco. And then, okay, so the one I'm going to suggest this is by the greatest singer of all time, and I will not entertain any opinions otherwise. <laughs> no, he, he just has my favorite voice. He is famous, but this album is, I've never heard anything, anyone mention it. It was from a while ago, but it was also a while after he was at his peak uh, in fame. So it's kind of been, I would say, uh, it's not going to make too many waves anymore. The album is called Inside Job. And the artist is Don Henley, who is also the main singer of the Eagles. So this, this was his, um, I want to say, fourth solo album. He basically had this huge contractual dispute with one of his record labels, and he ended up just not releasing any albums for like over 10 years. And then in 2000, he, he, uh, he dropped this album. And it's pretty weird. I don't even think it did particularly well in the ratings, but I love it. All right, so there we go. So that's... Uh, yeah, so it was the Shags... Uh, what was the name of the album again? The Shags? Philosophy of the World. Philosophy of the World. San Cisco, yeah. Between You and Me. Is that what it was? Yeah. And then Don Henley, Inside Job. All right, let's end this recording. Bye. Bye. See ya.